Check, 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 check. There we go. <clears throat> um, all right, let's pray real quick. God, uh, thank you so much for this evening. God, I pray that uh, as we dive into here tonight, that this would just really be about you. Um, that tonight we would get a glimpse of who you are, who you've called us to be. We would get a glimpse of your love for us, uh, of your great uh, and extravagant love for us. God, I also just ask that you would help me to get through this with a, uh, a tickle in my throat and some, uh, some stuffy noses uh, going on. God, just, uh, uh, but I pray that tonight these students would, uh, would grow in their understanding of who you are and who you called them to be. Uh, it's in your name we pray. Amen. Awesome. Guys, <clears throat> I want to start with just a phrase, just something that I think we ought to know, because I think that sometimes we, we really doubt whether this is true or not. We're going to start from this understanding. It's not even really like the, the main point tonight, but I think if we're going to dive into the rest of what I'm going to talk about, we have to start from this point where we're just all going to kind of agree uh, to this statement. Okay, is this, that God hears our prayers. God hears our prayers. We can start there. If you just go with me, maybe you don't even really believe that right now. I want you to just go with me that if that is true, let's dive into what that might mean and how we are supposed to respond if that is actually true. Okay, I want you to think about this, that the God of the universe hears your prayers. Your prayers, my prayers. Okay? He actually, the, the Bible actually tells us that he wants to hear from us. He desires to hear from us. He wants to hear what you need. He wants to hear about what is on your heart. The crazy thing is he just wants to hear from us and he already actually knows you to the depths of your soul. He already knows what you need. He already knows what you want. He already knows what's on your heart, but he still wants to hear from you. And sometimes we talk to God like we are ordering in the McDonald's drive-thru, right? Like all we have is requests. All we want to do is tell God what we want. And, and we want it kind of our way, right? We have a lot of room for, okay, God, as you will, what you want to do, like allow me to follow you. We don't, there's not a lot of submission a lot of times when we pray. We're not like acting like as though we're really dependent upon God. We're just kind of submitting our order. And it feels really dry like that sometimes too. Like, we're just saying what is we want, and we're going through the motions. Like, I can sometimes be more order that I give at, the, at Starbucks to my barista. Like, more thought goes into my order. Okay, let me tell you my order, because it is just a little extra, all right? My order, with a true shot, no classic sweetener or emulsifier. That's important. You're like, what's emulsifier? It doesn't matter. It's not like, all right? Triple shot. Emulsifier, four months, sugar-free vanilla, yeah. and heavy cream, double blended in a trench cup. Yeah, that's what's up. My drink is so much extra that white girls can't even when they're behind me in line and they hear it. All right. Now, more goes into my order. Sometimes the things that I pray when I'm speaking to God. And I think if you guys were honest, you might say that that's true for you. Like there are conversations, but way more thought and way more effort into. Like more thought goes into that order than the prayer that I pray at dinner. I think of my son when I think of this. Now he's five. 
the pass. I think God really wants to hear what's on our heart. My son likes to pray the same prayer that he did in preschool. He likes to pray it all the time. I think he thinks of prayer as a five-year-old the way that some of you do as an 11, 13, 14, 25, 36, 40-year-old think of prayer. And it's just, I just got to say the words. I got to get this done. It's part of the routine. And my son will say this. Baby, you have to help me because my mind is blank. How does this start? Thank you for the food we eat. Thank you for so Thank you for the birds that sing. Thank you, God, for everything. Now, now, that's not what's really going on inside that kid's heart. I know because we have that very incredible-year-old boy who's very good at expressing what's going on in here and in here. He's really good at it. And I wish sometimes that he would express more of that when he prays to his creator. And sometimes we need to be a little bit more expressive. We need to actually talk about what's going on inside as though we really believe that God already knows it anyway. I'm praying to the God who can see to the depths of my soul. And our big idea for tonight is this, that everyday followers of Jesus pray with purpose. They don't pray on accident. They don't stumble upon a prayer. They don't pray just when they feel like there's something they need. They pray because it is who they are and they want to be in communication with their God. We're going to continue in 1 Thessalonians, and we're going to be looking at 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 6 through 13. If you brought a Bible, you have an electronic Bible uh, you know, on your phone, whatever, that's cool. You can pull that out and look at it. Here's, I want to catch us up, though. It's been a while. We took a week off. You might be a little rusty on where we're at. I want you to understand, this, we kicked this off in a book uh, of the Bible called written by a guy named Luke, who was a follower of Jesus. He like literally followed Jesus in Jesus' earthly ministry. He saw what was going on, okay? Called Acts. And in Acts 17, he describes what happens. This guy who once was somebody rounded up Christians to kill them is now somebody who is telling people about Jesus and how to become a follower of Jesus. And Paul goes with Silas. They go called Thessalonica or Thessalonica. However you want to say it, okay? They go to this place, they share the gospel. The gospel is this, the good news that there is a God who created us. He created us not because he needed us, but simply because it was his good pleasure to create us. He created mankind and mankind said, you know what? We don't want God, we'd rather be our own God. And in that, we sin. We fell away from God. We are apart from him. He loved us so much that his only son to die for us and take our place and our punishment. Thank you. Is this thing just like going in and out? Yeah. Excellent. That's better, right? Okay. God sent his son take our sin on himself so that we could have a restored relationship with our creator, so that we could live the purpose for which we were created, which is to have a relationship with God. And so in ASM, we talk about this a lot, that we have a God who loves us, but not only a God who loves us, we have a God who likes us, and we have a God who wants us, despite the fact that he does not need us. And so, picking up from there, Paul and Silas have to leave Thessalonica. They have to run away because people are trying to kill them because they're sharing about Jesus. They take off, and a few years later, they write this letter 
back to this church. And this is picking up in the middle of this letter. And they have just received word from one of their friends who's also writing this letter with them, a guy named Timothy, who they sent to be with this church in their absence. And this is what they say. But Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you, uh, that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we also long to see you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and persecution, we are encouraged about you because of your faith. For now, we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. How can we thank God for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day, we pray most earnestly that we may see you again, supply what is lacking in your faith. May our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours is for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. There's a lot there, and we're going to unpack it. I want you guys to understand what is happening. So we're going to look at what is happening, what he's saying, before we can understand what it even begins to mean to us. Fair? All right. So Paul and Silas have not been back to Thalonica. They sent Timothy. Timothy's come back. I want you to imagine what this is like to live 2,000 years ago, to live they lived. Like, they don't know. All they know is when they left, left that city running for their lives. And those same Christians are there with the people that wanted to kill them because they were Christians. So they know that there's persecution, know that there's people who are after them, and they are anxiously awaiting news to hear something back from Timothy. Timothy comes back and gives a good Like, they're anxiously awaiting with no way of knowing what's going on. There is no insta-feed. There are no DMs. There is no texting. There is just waiting for long stretches of time without knowing what's going on. They're anxious. So Timothy brings back this report. And Paul says this thing, he says, now we really live. I want to help you understand what that means. It means this. It's like breathing a breath of fresh air, a sigh of relief, a shout of joy. I want you to think of it this way. Like, imagine you're waiting. You have been cut off. There's no contact. And you know that things were bad when you left the situation. When you left your friends, people were hunting them. And you're worried, what if that's enough for them to give up on following Jesus? And then Timothy shows up and he's like, no, Paul, Silas, you're not going to believe it, man. They've grown. Their numbers have grown. People coming to know Jesus, new people. Not only that, they have amazing amounts of faith and love for each other and for you and for other people. It's amazing. Now they're saying that it's like this weight has been lifted off of this weight of worry. And Paul and Silas's response is prayer. They begin to tell them, this is how we pray for you. This is a turning point in the book of 1 Thessalonians. And I want us to understand something. We can pray the way that Paul does. I want to look at how Paul prays for them because I think it's really important. We're going to give you guys an opportunity in your small groups tonight to spend some time praying in the way and with the heart that Paul and Silas and Timothy pray for this church in Thessalonica. First thing is this. They give prayers of thanksgiving. They're thankful, right? We're coming up on Thanksgiving, right? Plymouth Rock, you know, the people, they sit down and have a nice meal with the Indians. Read a history, but that's not exactly how it went. Okay. Uh, but prayers of Thanksgiving, right? 
They are praying thanks over what God has done and what he is continuing to do at Thessalonian church. And this actually mirrors a dependence on God, right? They, they are dependent upon God. They couldn't have done anything in Thessalonica because they're not there. And so literally just praying and relying on God since Paul is physically absent. I want you to think about how we usually pray. We pray with dependence. Like when I know this is like fairly typical, like we sit down and we pray at dinner. And maybe this is what you hear when you sit around the family dinner table. Like, God, thank you for this day. And that's great. There's nothing wrong with that prayer. You should be thanking God for the day that you have bread. That's great. But is that to the depths of your soul, to the dependence of what you really need? Thank for the food. Okay, amen. Thanks for this day, thanks for this food. I mean, that's the equivalent of my son's prayer that I shared with you guys, right? The same prayer he prays over and over and over again. But I think we ought to go a little deeper if we're praying prayers of thanksgiving, the way that Paul is praying for these people, the way that he's rejoicing over them. How we get thankful for specifics. We keep, and it does a couple things to us, I think, when we pray for specifics. When we look for things to be thankful for, it actually keeps us on the lookout throughout our day for God's goodness. What are the things that I ought to be thankful for? It changes our mindset when we begin to pray and we begin to think when I pray, I want to pray with a heart of thankfulness. It actually keeps on the lookout of things to be thankful for. I want you to think about this. Prayer doesn't change how God sees us, but it might change how we see God. Prayer does not change how God sees you. He knows you better than you even know yourself. But praying may actually change the way in which you see God, the way that you approach him. Prayers of thanks can do that because they remind us that we're dependent on God. And Paul and Silas and Timothy are praying thanksgiving over this church. Next thing is, pray for growth, the growth of other followers of Jesus. That's what he's doing. He doesn't just pray, thank you, God, for what's been happening. Thank you for what you're doing. He begins to also pray for what they need. And I think sometimes when I talked about earlier, we, we pray sometimes we're ordering at McDonald's. Like, we just submit our order to God. And then it's like, that's good enough. All right, I've asked God what I need. Amen. Oh, by the way, thanks for this food. Amen. There's nothing wrong with those things. Those are good things to pray for. But I think we're missing out on a depth of a prayer life and a conversation having with God. Paul prays for the needs of people. He quotes, I'm quoting him here. He says that they may supply what is lacking in your faith. That's why he longed to go to them so that he can supply what's lacking in their faith. And this actually isn't a slam because this church, remember, is doing really, really well. But they aren't lacking in actual faith, but they're lacking something within their faith. They're lacking understanding because they don't have a whole lot of instruction. Remember, the people who instructed them, who told them about this good news, had to take off. So they sent it back, and Paul longs to go so that they might grow. Paul doesn't just long to go so he can have a nice little trip to Thessalonica, like, okay, should I get away from the persecution here? The persecution over there sounds pretty awesome. I'll go there. No, that's not what he's doing, right? He is not looking for a vacation. He's literally praying that he might go there so that they might be encouraged. His prayers are not inward focused, they're outward focused. Even his prayer for himself is that he would visit for their benefit. Then he prays that their love would increase. He continues to pray things about them for them. 
And he's already praised them before. Think about this. The thing that he's praying for them, that their love would increase, is the very thing that earlier on in the book of 1 Thessalonians, Paul is praising them for. And now he's praying that they would have more of it, this love that overflows, that their love would increase. And why does their love need to increase? For those inside and outside of the church? Because Paul actually puts those on equal footing. For those inside and outside the church. So that God can strengthen their hearts that they might be blameless. See, Paul actually believes that the mode for pursuing godliness, the mode for pursuing a relationship with Jesus, for being an everyday follower, flows directly out of how we love other people. And actually, that mirrors Jesus' greatest commandment. Jesus was once by the religious leaders, and they asked him, they were trying to trip him up. You know, there's a ton, there's hundreds of commandments in the Old Testament. They're like, Jesus, which is the, which is the greatest one? And Jesus says, well, to love God. This is Curtis's paraphrase. Love God. But there's a second that's like it, and Jesus then puts that one on equal footing. In other words, if you want to love God, you also have to do this. He says, you have to love your neighbor as yourself. You have to love others. And Paul understands this deeply, this deep connection. Want to follow God. If he wants to see this church in Thessalonica really grow, they have to love those who are inside and outside of the church. So do we pray for the heart needs of others, for the things that are at the deepest needs of other people? Do we pray for just their physical needs? Because Paul actually is not, in this passage, he's not asking for anything physical. He's praying for their outlook, for their heart posture. How can we pray for the physical needs of other followers? There's a slide we're going to put up here. Okay, these are the things that we would say if we want to be everyday followers of Jesus in ASM. This is what it looks like for us. We're going to put Jesus first. Jesus is the top priority in our life. That we have to have a we before me attitude. That this community of believers, this community of people in this room, that what is best for this community trumps what is best for me. That's a community mindset. And that we're going to think about ourselves less. I'm going to think selfless. And the way that we do that is we serve each other. We love each other with our actions. And then we're going to make Jesus known. And by that, what we mean is this. You, it is your responsibility. God has placed on you, follower of Jesus, that you would let other people in your life know who Jesus is and what he's done for you and his great love for you. So how can you guys pray for the needs of other followers, of the other people in your small group? Maybe asking that they would put this first. Praying that they would have a we before me attitude. That they might think selfless and, and look for ways to really serve other people. That God might embolden them to make Jesus known. We can begin to pray, actually, when we think about these things too. We can pray against specific sins you know might be hurting any one of those aspects of their relationship with Jesus. When we pray for others, we can be specific. And when we pray, we remember that it's not, it's not about us. It's about depends on God. And we can also make it not about us. We begin to pray for the needs of others. We do need to pray for our own needs. God wants to hear your needs. But Paul, I think, is modeling something that is not natural. It's natural when we begin to pray, to either pray very surface level or to pray just for what I need. And then we need to pray. This is, the, this is Paul's kind of what we call a heart posture, attitude, is that he prays out of his great love for others. And that's how we can pray. This is Paul's heartbeat. He wants the love to increase because he understands what, uh, 
what that has done to him. That when he serves people out of a great love, it has changed him. His prayers are outward focused. Paul and Silas's love for the Thessalonian followers is actually overflowing from his great love for it for them. Earlier, I said this statement. I said, when we pray, prayer doesn't change how God sees us, but it might change how we see God. When we think of, of praying out of our love for others, when we think about praying for others out of our great love for them, I want you to think about prayer this way. Pray, prayer does not necessarily change how God sees people, but it might change how we see people. Prayer doesn't change how God sees people, but it might change how we see people. See, because you might be thinking of something right now. When I said you got to pray out of a great love for other people, like your brain immediately goes negative, and you're like, yeah, but there's some people I really don't like, Curtis. And here's what I would say to you. It's really hard to hate somebody that you pr- decide to pray for daily. It might just change the way that you see them. And a side note, guys, this is something I've talked to my kids about recently because they're in school now, and here's the, here's the bummer part. I know. I went to public school and I was, I was a kid once. People are mean. And my kids are experiencing that. And a side note to this, if you pray for somebody, think about the people who are hurting you in your life. People that are unkind to you. People that you have a hard time loving. Hurt people tend to hurt people. Because they think it's going to make them feel better. Change the script. Pray for them. I guarantee you it's going to be hard to hate on somebody that you pray for consistently and you are praying that God would do amazing things in their life. Guys, our big idea tonight is that, again, everyday followers of Jesus, they pray with purpose. They pray with purpose. So let's make a decision as AS Middle School to stop lazy prayer. And what we're not talking about is that you have to use super lofty words or super spiritual phrases but we're going to pray with purpose. Just real, intentional, honest prayer. Prayer takes the spotlight off of myself and prayer that makes God and others the focus. And so as we go to our tonight, here's what we're going to do. And actually, Bryn, I don't know where Bryn. Bryn, I'm going to have us just go straight to small groups right after this because I want to give you guys lots of time to pray tonight. I want to give you guys lots of time to practice this. Sorry, I just wanted to make sure I knew where you were. All right. Uh, So here's what I want you to do. Your leaders should all have gotten a text today, so you guys have this information. Take time in your small groups to think through these questions, and then I want you to break up into even smaller groups. So if your small group is really big, you got 10, 12, 15 people here tonight, great for you. You're going to break up into smaller groups to pray. And you're going to pray for each other and others. And I don't want you as an individual to pray for yourself. You're going to allow someone else to pray for you. You're going to allow someone else to pray for your needs so you can take the focus off yourself when you pray. I want you to talk about these things before you break up into smaller groups to pray. As a group, what specifically can you guys thank God for? Some of you guys are going to have to think really hard. Not all of you guys have an easy story. Not all of you guys have an easy life. Not all of you guys have an, an easy recall for things to be thankful for. And so you're going to have to dig deep, maybe, some of you. But think, what specifically do you thank God for? What has he done? Small stuff, big stuff. And what are the needs of others in your group? This is where you share. This is, these are my needs. This is what I'm going through. And think through those things in relation to your walk with Jesus. How can you put Jesus first? How can you have a we-before-me attitude? How can you think of yourself less? And how can you make Jesus known? 
to the needs there. And then I want you to pray for those that you love and you like already. And I want you to very specifically pray for those you have a hard time loving. Because I think what Paul and Silas and Timothy present to us is a way to pray. Not the words to pray, but a way to pray. A heart for how we ought to be praying. Out of an overflow of great love. And that has to be outward focused. And it has to be dependent on God. Let me pray for us and then you guys are going to break up and do the same. God, thank you so much for the way in which you love us. God, thank you that the gospel that was true for the church in Thessalonica is true for us in this room tonight. That you loved us so much that you did not want to remain apart from us. That you sent your only son to die for us in our place. He rose again from the dead, conquered sin and death so that we might have relationship with you if we would simply accept what you've done. God, thank you for that. And God, thank you for the things that we sometimes just skip over, don't think of. Thank you, God, that there's, there's air in my lungs. That you have given me a warm place to sleep tonight. That you have given me two wonderful kids, an amazing wife. Thank you that you've allowed me to lead this amazing ministry with tremendous small group leaders and a bunch of awesome students. God, I pray that you would work on their hearts tonight. That you would stretch them to think beyond themselves that they would have great love for others and great dependence on you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.